Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I do hope you guys had a great week. Mine wasn't too bad. I thought I'd start out with uh, sharing a bit about uh, the numbers from this podcast over the three years up to like even like the last 30 days basically. So many of you have been a part of the journey since the beginning. Um, some of you are more recent, more new. Before Spotify took over this podcast program, it was with another program. Um, most people use Spotify and Apple, which is pretty cool. But these are only the numbers I'm, I'm assuming only from Spotify's perspective. But it could be even with Apple. But overall, in the past three years, there has been at least 495,000 plays that people have done. Per an episode, we are averaging around 4,000. The audience is around 4,600. And right now, based on these numbers, which, you know, today we have AI issues, so I don't know how many is legit, but Spotify followers are a little over 10,000. And I thought I'd just give a moment to say thank you for everybody who listens to this podcast and who have joined the the page, the Facebook page, and who have joined the Discord and and just the different men who have shared their stories and concerns and battles that they have gone through. And I just want to thank all of you for supporting those that subscribe. Thank you for your continuous uh, desire to subscribe. Um, God's been really blessing this podcast. And I do hope and pray for the future. And you guys keep praying for that too as well. So today, this week, this topic is partially about a lot of what God has been placing my wife and I's heart for the future of the ministry. The word is brokenness. It is something that has been on our minds and, and kind of talking about it and seeing how God has kind of revealed understanding for what we are supposed to try to be doing. I have kind of gone back and really thought about everybody I've met, people I've had to deal with, you know, negative and positive, and actually wonder to myself how many of these people were broken, and did I even notice that they were broken, because I was so much stuck in my brokenness. And do they understand their brokenness? I do think the word brokenness has been a very interesting word to actually to, to, to think about, to consider. And I do think there's two perspectives of brokenness that I have never really thought about it until I actually really thought about it. I do think brokenness is connected to sin. I don't think brokenness is necessarily because we have sin and so therefore we're broken but i do think that it can be and most likely there is a portion of of our lives even in in the worst scenario that you can think of for people but i also have to remember other people's sin as well as part of our brokenness you see when we are broken it is because of what others have done or treated us and it is also in how we respond 
or react to how people treat us. And this got me to really think about, it. I had to stop, you know, because there's a lot of people like, yeah, but you know, I had this happen to me. I went through this, this, you know, all these different stories that people share, but there's two parts to it. Yes. The person who did wrong did sin and they made a mistake and they treated you bad and they violated you and they violated trust. And you can, you can throw that out, but that is their sin issue that they had to make right with God but you have to learn to forgive. It doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean that you allow them to be part of your life. It just means you need to learn to forgive and they need to deal with that brokenness. However, going back and looking at my life and even all the mistreatments I had from being bullied to mistreatments and, and jobs to mistreatments at churches and accusations and views and, and like all the different things that we could pick up and point out, whether they're with relationships with people or just living everyday life in community. There is a point where you and I and how we were treated, we also responded. And we can't say a hundred percent we responded as we should, we didn't necessarily respond and how we should based on a biblical perspective. Cause I can see that through human standards, how we reacted could be justified. Even if it went against scripture, the human perspective would still justify us, you know, seeking out revenge, hating someone, despising somebody, keeping somebody from seeing somebody because of that person, what they did. There's, there's many humanistic views and how we could say, yes, that's justified. But the thing is in a lot of cases, what also happens is we allow anger to enter our hearts, allow it to harden. We begin to mistreat those people who mistreated us. We may chase after sin because we want to feel something in our numbness because of our abuse or something that happened to us that made us angry. So we chase after anger because it allows us to feel something. And in a lot, in a lot of these cases, it's because we never dealt with what happened to us. We didn't talk to someone about it. We didn't seek counseling. We didn't talk to other men about these issues growing up as adults, as young adults. So we do do things in hopes that through the numbness of that time, we can still keep that hurt, anger, frustration, that victimization identity intact, strong, to hide under. See, when we go to first John one, eight through 10, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we have, we make him a liar and his words is not in us. 
You see, a lot of times when I've read this verse, I only pictured us doing sin. But I never actually pictured this from the perspective of our our identities and how we were mistreated to victimize our perspective, to justify how we respond and react to people in the way that we do as meaning, well, I was mistreated. That's why I act the way I do. So therefore I am justified, which means I did no sin because I'm not the one who did anything wrong. But scripture would say, yeah, but you didn't forgive them. Scripture would say, but you won't allow redemption to even happen because you're still allowing your anger to control you. You're afraid to build in your relationship with your wife or girlfriend, or kids, because you were mistreated by your dad and you saw how your dad treated his wife. And so you've hardened a part of who you are by reacting and responding in the way that you do. And so you never really dealt with it and it's affecting your relationships. Even though all the one thing, all we have to do is make sure we're taking in God's word, we're studying it, we're living it, we're obeying it and doing it. And we repent understanding because like I'm saying this, not because I'm saying you need to deal. I, I've, it's something that I've had to deal with. I never looked at it from this perspective about how my justifications were res my responses or reactions to people were not necessarily right. It doesn't mean that things that did happen to me, I wasn't that I was justified to being upset. I was justified to be upset, angry from a biblical perspective because the way they were doing it was not the right way. And they're using sin and deception to gain their justification. But how did I react wholly? Like there might be times where I did do it correctly, but then there's, but in the process of that, I may have hold or held in the anger and the hurt and pain that allowed it to fester into my heart in my mind and my spirit, which caused more issues, which caused anxiety, which caused depression, which caused hurt that I held on to. You get into sins. We start chasing after things that help us to feel something because we want to say that no, nothing, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I know my response is fair and justified to act the way that I act, or to feel the way I feel. Yet God tells us over and over again, cast your cares unto me. Come to me, I'll be your refuge. Give me your burdens. He even tells the, the, the new Christians, share each other's burdens. Why? So that you don't hold on to them. They don't indulge in sin to numb the pain and hurt. You don't 
continue to not forgive because you rather hold on to resentment. You want to keep that victim identity because it gives you the attention you need. It gives you a story to live by. It gives you a justification to dislike someone for how they treated you. Even though you say you forgave them, you don't want to see redemption for them. But yet God continues, tells us, come to me. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He gives us the opportunity to seek out forgiveness, to find redemption, to be cleansed and to be restored and to not be broken. We want to keep those feelings. We want the identity to be a victim. We want to be angry. We want to be hurt. I mean, even the TV shows and movies have these themes that are very similar to what we may feel, which is why we connect. People who have hold on anger for decades, resentment, pointing fingers, blaming the other person, saying this, but yet even, even though what that person may have done, like for example, the show that my wife and I've been watching lately is Heartland and the dad of the story had left the kids and the wife many years ago and now he wants to be back into their lives, but grandpa has been holding this grudge and hate towards the dad. In the long run, it, there, there's a justification because how he treated them, you know, it, they shouldn't be open to just letting him in and have free reign in their hearts and, and their relationships. No, I mean, they should, you know, he needs to kind of prove to them that he could be trusted, that he could be a part of their lives. However, the girls are wanting to give a chance for forgiveness and redemption, but Grandpa says no. No, no, I'm not going to do that. How many of us are like Grandpa versus the girls? And I'm talking about situations that have a possibility of reestablishing trust because not every situation is going to have that type of open door. But man, once you learn and understand what it means to forgive. You get to see a form of peace come through that. You get baggage that's been removed and released. You know, in scripture, Christ, you know, Jesus died for us and forgave us for our sins and those chains were broken. You know how many times you've heard that in churches? You know, the, the sin uh, chain that's been enslaving you has been holding on, but Jesus broke it. And there's always those pictures where we get to see where the chain is broken in half or whatever. And like you're free, but yet we keep holding on to these other chains. Yeah, Jesus died for me and I accepted him as Savior, but I rather hold on to my anger, my resentment. I want to hold on to my victimization. I want to hold on to my resentment to my dad or my brother or my sister or my family member, my wife, my kids because of what they did to me or what my best friend did to me years ago. We hold on to that. 
and we keep those chains on us and then we drag those chains around and we're like but i am justified to hold on to these chains why do we keep them when we can let go of them see many people think that this mentality this victimization is a form of sacrifice where we were treated bad so we quote unquote believe that keeping the hurt is justified acting the way that we do is justified that sinning is a product of how we were treated so yeah we go to church we listen to christian music we help at the church here and there i go help the poor we go to I help at my kids school we use sacrifice as a currency to act the way that we do thinking it's enough god knows what i was going through so i am justified to be the person and the character that I am right now, and I don't need to be changing anything. This is just who I am. And I sacrifice my time and effort for doing good things, but man, I am not going to forgive. I'm not going to repent of my issues because that is just who I am. I am justified. Let's take a quick break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But then, go to Psalms 51, 16 through 17. We are reminded once again, God does not want sacrifice. He wants a broken and willing heart. Verse 16, for you will not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it to you. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and contrite heart. You will not despise. See, what God wants is a broken and willing heart. All those other good things, good deeds, all those other situations that you use to justify why you act the way that you do have no merit what god wants and and psalms 51 is when david was confronted by nathan about his sin with Bathsheba. this is his confession this is his moment where he is on his knees begging god for forgiveness and he is he's taking who he is and breaking his heart before God and saying, I am wrong. I sinned. I failed. I re reacted, responded. I tried to justify all of my actions by trying to say, well, you know, if I could just get her to sleep with her husband, if I can just get him just to just be with her, then everything will be okay. And I can hide my sin. 
what God wants is a broken, willing heart. Because you see, King Saul made that same mistake. He tried to justify his actions with sacrifice. Samuel said, why didn't you kill everything? Oh, well, in, I wanted to use some of this for sacrifice for God. Samuel said, but that's not what God asked. Oh, well, but, you know, God wants the best. And so we took the best of the cattle and I made a sacrifice. Took the best things and put it in the so-called, you know, temple and, 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 and give it as an offering to God. Samuel, once again, you dissipate God. That's not what he asked. But, 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 he disobeyed God. He tried to use sacrifice to justify his actions. Another story, Cain and Abel. Abel gave the best to God willing willing heart a broken heart sacrifice that was worthy of god because he had the right heart cain tried to be deceptive and not use the best which tells you what he didn't have a willing heart it wasn't broken but yeah he's like but but i sacrificed why, why, why are you willing to take Abel's, but not mine? And God was like, because it wasn't a willing obedience of brokenness. And out of his anger, instead of saying, you know what, Lord? Yes, forgive me, I did wrong. What do you do? Out of jealous rage, he kills his brother. The reason we deceive ourselves is because we have not allowed ourselves to be broken. We need to let God break us, change us, because we are willing to obey. It is such a hard thing these days to see people being willing to be broken. And yet, once they allow themselves to be broken, the chain that was holding onto them for so long will be let loose. Psalms 51, 7 through 8 states this, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken Rejoice. You see, once we allow God to break us, there is going to be this joy and peace and gladness that's just going to come out because you will feel released. You won't be holding on to that victimization identity that you have created in your anger, your hurt, your resentment, your unforgiving heart, your stubbornness. Do you remember we talk about the shield of faith versus the shield of, of being basically pride? You see, when we 
try to keep the justification of acting and being the way that we are because we're not willing to accept the part that we have done in the sin part. That we're holding on to things that are allowing sin to fester into in our hearts and our spirit and our soul is because we want to hold on because it gives us something, gives us a taste, a, a form of control, a pride that just sits there and festers and festers and makes it harder and harder for you to let go. And we sit there wondering why we feel chained up, why we struggle in our in our sin, why we struggle in our anger, why we struggle in our resentment, why we struggle in forgiving others, why we struggle in seeing redemption, because we want to hold on to something to give us some form of control that allows us to feel something. We talked about this last episode, the idea of, of numbness. It's, 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 you know, the only time we hear it is a lot of times with people with addictions. Well, guess what? Your identity becomes your addiction. If you want to use the drug terms, that identity that you have established and created becomes your addiction. You can't escape it because you want it so badly because it gives you an identity. When once you give it all up, you allow the Holy Spirit to be able to use you in a way that you can never imagine. You know, I've heard several times from guys, well, I've already tried it and it's failed. It doesn't work. So I just feel like I am stuck living in my sin. If you're still living because you want it, it's because you're willing in some cases. Because you've never actually let go. You've never actually surrendered to God. This is all I have. Well, no, you haven't because you're, you're, you're still, you're giving up and wanting to keep that identity. It's become your identity because Christ has told us that you can find forgiveness. You can find a way to forgive others. You can let go of your anger. You can stop hurting others. But Christ has to be that, that center point point. And it's going to take times and take work guys. I'm 41 years old and I still have things I've done. Haven't dealt with a hundred percent and God shows me and I have to deal with it. I do. So there, there's not going to be a one verse answer, one prayer that's going to answer all of it. It's going to take work and time and effort for you to stop looking at your identity in those areas and start looking at your identity in Christ. Galatians 2, 19 through 21 states, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. You see, we keep thinking, we, we use those other methodology or uh, justifications like a law system. Well, I go to church, so therefore I'm not, a, I'm not a bad person as A. Well, I didn't do this sin, so I'm not as bad as this person, A. I go to Bible study, so I mean, I can't be that bad of a person, so I justify my actions because of A. 
continuing verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We have Christ who lives in us. And, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. So there is a faith, shield of faith. There's a faith. So if I'm not living by faith in the son of God, I'm living in faith in myself. I'm creating an identity by which I can stand under with. And the reason why I won't change is because I don't want to let go of my pride because I like having this type of control. It gives me some sort of satisfaction, some way to numb that pain, some way to give me that little bit of taste, you know, like you see in like the cop shows. Well, just give me a little bit of the drugs, just a little bit, and I, and I could make it. I know all I need is a little bit of that drugs. So we allow things in our life to keep on giving us that little bit of taste or allowing us to feel that numbness instead of handing it over to God who can cleanse us, who can help us, who can guide us, getting around other Christian men who can help us, who can guide us, who can encourage us in prayer, supplication, and accountability, and, and encouragement, and word. Being under good, godly teaching of a pastor. Changing aspects of our life to be pleasing to God in obedience. Verse 21, do not, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. See, the law is not what saved people. Christ did. Doing good works is not going to nullify your justifications and make it okay to act the way that you act, to do the things that you do, to keep on being angry, to keep on holding on to resentment, to not forgive. Grace. Desiring to see those that have hurt us in the past find redemption. Being willing to forgive them. Repent of my sin that I have done because I was so willing to see anger be my identity to see insert whatever sin it is that you struggle with to be my identity insert resentment insert an unforgiving heart insert holding on to this victimization identity because it makes me feel something our faith in what jesus did also means that no matter how bad life can get how people may treat us, how bumpy the road can get. Jesus is there. He lives in us. We do not have to allow the identity of victimization or insert whatever it may be your identity to control our perception and how we live life. Because it will become the addiction we will focus on. Yes, we may do all the churchy things, our identity is going to be in that identification that we have created. We do not need to have those glasses blocking what God can do for us and through us. All it takes is a broken and willing 
art. Let's pray. Really, Father, thank you for this time. I do ask that you use this podcast to transform hearts and minds and spirits. That you allow all of us to remove the pride. Allow us to let go of the identities that we have created in whatever it can be. Sin, anger, resentment, unforgiving heart. Anything else that is not of you. Help us to hold on to that faith. Not allow the pride to sneak in and replace our shield of faith with pride. Move hearts. Let the Holy Spirit break us. So that we can be used by you in the way that we should be used by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I hope you have a great week and take care of yourselves. And I will see you next time. God bless.